Today's episode of How to Feel Great is brought to you by Coast to Coast Coffee. CoastToCoastCoffee.ca. Fresh, whole beans delivered right to your door. Enter promo code HEAVILYPICKSCOFFEEFIX1 to receive $5 off your very first order. Coast to Coast Coffee is the socially distanced choice for coffee lovers everywhere. Welcome to How to Feel Great. I'm your host, Scott C. Jones. How to Feel Great is an offshoot of the heavily pixelated podcast in which I talk to notable figures in the tech, entertainment, and game developer spaces to find out what they do in the realm of self-care. My guest today is Kristen Salvatore. I met Kristen for the first time a couple of years ago at GDC, the Game Developers Conference, and I liked her immediately. She began her career as a journalist, but then transformed into a business person. She's worked for Nexon, Twitch, Apple, Bioware, and currently works for Cloud9, which is a Los Angeles-based esports company. Let's bring Kristen in now. Hello, Kristen. I can see that you are here. Hi. I cannot hear you, but I can hear you now. Hi. Hi, honey. It's been so long. Too long. Way too long. Way too long. Are you in the, it sounds like you're a little echoey. Are you in the bathroom? Is this I'm not. Your no. No. Hang on. Let me put on headphones. No, I'm actually, I'm actually sitting at my new desk oh. in my new home office. Well, the oh. desk space is new. Where are my headphones? Hang on. I've been unpacking for a week. Did you just move? I did. We did move. Okay. Oh my God. Hang on. I want to see pictures of the house. It's, um, it's pretty cool. But right now, just focus on the headphones. We can just talk this way too. I can hear you. I'd rather actually be on headphones. What kind of headphones are you using? Are they Air- AirPods? Yeah. They're not working? I guess not. What Listen, going on here? I, I wish they'd work. I think they would, they would calm you down a little. Not that you need to be calmed down. You're fine the way you are. Okay, all right. Well, then you know what? We'll just if if it's not too echoey, let's just do this this way. I'm so happy to to hear your voice, and I'm so happy to connect with you. And um, I uh, I'm just glad you made time to do this. I know you got a lot going on in your world. It was really um, I was I was grateful that you asked, partly because I wanted to catch up with you, and partly because I think that the you know the podcasts that you've been doing in this vein I think are really great well you know I mean we switched over to this how to feel great kind of format when um like the darker stories just felt too dark I couldn't really you know keep telling these dark stories at a time when so many things in the world were dark you know Mm -hmm. and and I I I think self-care is really important especially for men who never talk about self-care and never talk about how what the things they need necessarily, they just take what they want, jerks. <laughs> but I, I, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, and and I do. I feel like it's something we need to uh, we need to shine a light on a little bit more. And and like you know, I this is this is a challenging time we're all living through. Um, and I I feel like. Most of us are doing our best, not all of us, but most of us. I think one of the things that I was thinking about is like how, and partly this speaks to how wonderful you are and how comfortable people feel with you, but like the the graciousness with which people have shared their stories, right, is palpable. And, and, And I wonder if part of that is also, like there's an element of there's an element of self-care in that, right? Like there's this sort of like feedback loop that happens when you think you're, when it feels like you're doing things maybe to help care for other people. I think it sort mm-hmm. of helps you care for yourself too. Mm-hmm. My experience. So that's absolutely true. Um, that's absolutely true. Um, there's a, there's a conference that, that we had here in um, about mental health in gaming uh, last year. And um I, uh, we're planning a new one for this year, but of course it has to be online. But, um, so many men bought tickets to the conference, but none of the men showed up. 
This is Scott stepping in really quickly to illuminate and clarify. It is the International Games Summit on Mental Health. The acronym is TIGS. It's held in Toronto. We did our first one last year, and uh, we have another one coming up this fall. TIGS.ca if you want more information. Like, really? Yeah, and it, it really was eye-opening for me about the, the, some of the, the gender issues we have. You know, like it was all women, which was fine. I love women, and I love talking to women. And We're I pretty love, bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just was like, where are the men? Do they, are they, they can't take, you know, 45 minutes out of their days to come to this conference on mental health to sit in a couple panels? Like, you bought tickets. Like, just follow through, man. That's fascinating. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. g- the gender differences, the way men carry themselves and what they, what the way they decide what they need and don't need and make the way they're, you know, the way that they're afraid of being perceived as somehow fall- fallible. Like, it really bums me out. It really does. It does. Like, like we're all like, be honest about the the shit that's broken inside you. Like, let's talk about this stuff or else we wind up in bad situations. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's hard. It's so, yeah, man. Talk about like the the bitter but necessary medicine, you know? I mean, I think that's true, at least for me personally, focus group of one woman, but like, I suffer from the same challenges, right? Like I, but maybe the difference is, to, to the point that you're making, I have less agita about going to a conference, virtual or otherwise, with a group of people to talk about that experience, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, um, you know, we're, but it's, that's, that's fascinating to me that men bought tickets and didn't show up. That's really amazing. Oh, I just felt like it was a kind of wake up call of some kind. And, and so I'm trying to be honest about the, the stuff that goes wrong in my life or the stuff that I don't that isn't necessarily a win. You know, I feel like men have a hard time sharing the things that are, that are broken and that that weren't really wins for them. And, um, you know, one of the, the, the things, and I, I feel like I know you, I haven't really told anybody publicly this yet, but you know, I applied to a program, the the Toronto Institute for relational psychotherapy. I was going to be a, a therapist. Wow. I, and, and, and so I applied uh, sort of somewhat impulsively uh, maybe six months ago. I got, I got my application together. I was really proud of my application. And of course, they invited me in for an interview. It's a group interview, relational psychotherapy. And so I went for the group interview and I thought I nailed it, man. I really thought I nailed it. And, and, and uh, I just was riding high. I'm like, it's just a matter of time before my acceptance letter comes in and and uh, I didn't even get waitlisted. I just got a sort of form letter, like, thank you for participating. We had a lot of qualified applicants this year, and we're, mo- we're moving in a different direction. And so, like, I have been staggered by this, and I've really been torn uh, about whether or not to openly talk about this. I, it's, it's my, I need to talk about it. I need to be honest about about what has happened to me and and I need to be honest about the the heartbreak I feel and yeah and the disappointment I feel and I'm still like I've been reeling ever since I got this news and I thought I can't I can't just pretend I didn't apply I can't, I have to tell people that it didn't go my way yeah can I can I ask you a question about it yeah of course I love, I love being interviewed yes go is, ahead is the um is is the is the heartache obviously there's heartache because this was something you really wanted to do and were excited about and yep. it's not going to happen at least right now but is any of the heartache about that sort of dissonance between your your feeling coming out of the interview that you had nailed it and then and then not getting in like is that part of what the yeah that's I, how could i be how could i misread this so badly yeah. You know, and and that's the thing. I'm like, is my radar so off? Like, maybe I am delusional. I thought I did a great interview and I thought my application was so strong. I've had nothing but life experience. I live in Canada now and I'm, I'm, you know, I lived in New York for 15 years. I lived in Chicago for two years. Like I, like I've lived everywhere. I've been in therapy for almost 20 years. I'm really honest and open about the stuff 
my life experience. I've had open heart surgery. I've had a few, you know, close calls with death and like, I'm here to live and I'm here to help people. And, and I just can't believe I got this so wrong. And I just, I, it just makes me really, I guess a little shy about going forward. Like maybe I'm going to be wrong about other things. Maybe I'm already wrong about other things. Of course you will. Like that is, we're human. Of course you're going to be wrong about other things. But the thing, the reason, here's why I'm asking, because a situation like this, you don't have all the, that's, this is the hard part. You're filling in information from your own mind that you simply don't have. Right. Like it's impossible to know because they didn't tell you whether in fact, this, this has absolutely zero to do with your, like, like maybe they genuinely just had too many qualified applicants and you were one of them and they just don't have the spots. You know what I mean? Like you don't, sure. it's impossible to know whether, whether you got it wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I bring this up mostly because it's sort of top of mind for me right now ab- mm-hmm. about how, how the narrative that we create for ourselves, especially in times of stress or distress can, you know, A, it can, I think, make make more shallow what could be a, like a a learning experience, but it can also deepen this sort of despair that maybe doesn't need to be there. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me the notion of, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go, no, go on, go on, go on. I, w- I wanted what. to ask you, like, tell me, a, you know, can you, does any, what comes to mind when I say, Kristen Salvatore, you've had an incredible life and career and nobody has a more rich and varied resume than you do, my friend. But when was, when was the last time? And again, don't think too much, but when was the last time you were so wrong about something? Oh, man alive. <laughs> we can come back to it if you want that to. That happens a lot. Well, no, I'm, I'm just, it happens all the time. That's what I'm, that's why. Really? I'm, oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Well, you were sure of something and then the reality was some so drastically different. I mean, like multiple times a week. <laughs> oh, really? That makes me see so much better. Yeah. It happens all the time because for like a whole host of reasons. Can you give me I'm a specific? Like, yeah. Like, um, oh, let me think of a, and it certainly happens with, with work all the time, but like, yeah. um, cause you've had nothing but success as far as I can tell. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it looks like from an outsider. Like, honestly, uh, you've no. worked at great places. You've walked <laughs> away from more great places no. than anybody else in technology and, and the gaming <laughs> side of life. I'm glad that that's the narrative that's out there. That's the, the impression. Fun, but like, <laughs> that's not true. Well, I, I, I think there's some portion of it that's true, but certainly okay. not not all of it, right? Yeah. You know, I would say the last time, I don't know, I get it wrong. Uh, I get it wrong a lot. I get it wrong with my family a lot. I get it wrong with my yeah. kids a lot. I get it wrong with my partner a lot. I get it wrong yeah. with work a lot. And like, you know, obviously, like there's varying there's varying degrees of, of wrong, right? right. And, the, and the fallout from being wrong varies along with that. And so you know, everything from like, I don't know, the most, the most recent thing. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's like, okay for me. To, usually they involve other people, which is why I'm sort of hedging. Yeah. We can use, share we, something that's we can use fake names. Yeah. But that, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> use fake names. we can use fake names. <laughs> um, well, I'll speak just in sort of generality. Yeah, like, and again, like you, you don't have to, there's no pressure for you to do this. Like do it if you feel like, and if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. You know what? Instead, I'll just talk about myself. I would say the last time I got it really, 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 really wrong yeah. um, was not so long ago at, at work, right? Okay. What Where happened? I, I was in a job mm-hmm. that I kind of, you know, all of the signs around me were like, you should leave this. This is, this is going nowhere good and it's going Mm -hmm. there quickly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, same thing. I I was like, looking back, I think maybe I was a little delusional because I was like, nope, I can totally, I'm, I'm, I know my strengths and like, Mm -hmm. I can navigate this and you know, I'm just going to do what I've always done, which is I'm going to focus on being the best at what I do. And Mm -hmm. I can, Completely like navigate this minefield, mm-hmm. and instead I blew up. <laughs> so what do you mean you blew up? Like what? what do you mean you yeah. got angry? 
No, no, no. Like, like I, I did not navigate the minefield. Like, okay. <laughs> I stepped okay. on a mine. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, because the truth is, I couldn't navigate that situation. I should yeah. have listened to the, I should have paid attention to the signs and cut my losses and gone, okay, this is a situation that is, there's no, there's almost no scenario in which this is going to end well for me. And I need to just accept the fact that this isn't going to turn out the way mm-hmm. I want it to. Mm-hmm but mm-hmm. better that that's on my terms. Mm-hmm. And instead I was like, I can completely control this, which yeah. is not true. <laughs> you seem like what, like what you, uh, and again, I know this sounds like I'm just blowing smoke, but you seem like one of the most confident people that I know of ever. Like you, your confidence, like just you radiate confidence. When you walk into a room, you know, at a conference, like you know when Kristen is there. I think that that a lot of a lot of that is like situational because because I feel confident um, often in my in at work, Mm -hmm. um, but I lack a lot of confidence in in other areas of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I I lack a lot of confidence in relationships. I Mm -hmm. lack a lot of confidence not so much as a mom. I'm proud and happy to say that, like, I think my instincts there have kicked in pretty well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would say particularly in, in relationships and friendships and, um, I, you know, where I lack a lot of confidence is when, like, my imposter syndrome mm-hmm. can be really, like, almost crippling. And so if I perceive myself in a professional situation to be with with somebody that I think is more accomplished or mm-hmm. more polished mm-hmm. um that's a that's like I sort of I often crumble in the face of that it's like a coin flip mm-hmm. maybe I'll rise to the occasion and maybe I'll just totally blow it <laughs> it's, like, it's um, so good to hear that that you have those feelings because it you almost seem like you almost seem superhuman to me, I, that's, that's I, I, I mean, it's on. Like honestly, like I met you probably, probably at a game developers conference a few years ago. I think our our, our mutual friend Sibel Sunar introduced us, and I liked you right away. Like there was just like there's something when you meet people, they just have a certain energy about them, and I just liked your energy. I could feel it even before we met, and like Sibel was vouching for you, and then like. We're, we've been friends ever since. Yeah, <laughs> you and I, yeah, you and I have, there's that, like, al- that alchemy. Yeah, that sometimes the alchemy, that's exactly her. right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, but you're, um, you're, I don't know how many kids are in the house right now. There's none here right now. They're okay. all at their other parents' houses. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. So is, is, so this is a break for you. Well, yes and no, right? It's a break from parenting, but you know, I, especially because of of COVID, yeah. I, I'm in this pretty pretty rotten, and I really have to figure out how to break it. But this really kind of rotten pattern of like the weeks that the kids aren't here are the weeks that I'm actually trying to like catch up on all of the stuff from the weeks that the kids are here. Like okay. it's very, yeah, it's just. I was just talking about this actually a couple nights ago with my, my partner, like mm-hmm. the, the ability to be doing even remotely a decent job at work mm-hmm. when the children are here in any sort of a, like forget like a nine to five or nine to six. fashion. Yeah. Like if I can get in four decent hours of any work on the days that they're here, it's kind of a miracle. Really? Um, wow really tough. So what sort of age range are we, we working with here? There are two four-year-olds, an almost 10-year-old, and an 11-year-old. Holy smokes. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a circus. <laughs> it's really... Like, I have my that, own personal circus. <laughs> that's, like that's the, the four-year-olds and the, the, the 10... Did you say two 10-year-olds? One 10-year-old, one 11-year-old. Oh, okay. So that's, that's a big enough difference where the four-year-olds can't exactly get along with the 10 year olds? Um, no, there's, well, so the, the oldest is a boy, the 10 year old is a girl, and then the yeah. two little ones are girls. And so, and the two little ones are thick as thieves. So yeah. they actually, they entertain each other and 
a lot of the day. The challenge there is that they are, they're simply not sort of self-sufficient. So if they, even though they can entertain themselves and one another, if they need anything, then it absolutely requires an adult. Like they can't get milk out of the refrigerator on their own. They're um, so, so cute. Yeah, that's adorable. And then the 10 year old girl, she's almost 10. She'll be 10 um, next month. Yeah. She, um, or t- t- two months from now, she is still, um, she's, she's right on that edge of like, like nine to 10 is where sort of like magical realism is like, you know, is, is waning, but there's still a little bit of like, like she sort of can't decide. Sometimes she wants to play kind of believe games with the little ones. Yes. And then sometimes she, she doesn't want to see their faces and she wants to, you know, be on her iPad. (laughs) Right. We're very back and forth. So she's, so sometimes the girls will play together and then sometimes not. Yeah. This is sort of like a Brady Bunch. There is, a, there is an element of Brady Bunchness to this. Yeah. yeah. So that uh, makes you Mrs. Brady. That makes me Mrs. Brady. Yeah. Um, and what I wouldn't, that's, I need to go get a shag haircut. <laughs> Actually, Smart. I'm going to end up with a shag haircut soon because I haven't been able to cut my hair this whole time. And as you know, I, I wear my hair quite short. In a, yes. And oh, wow. I, I'm here to tell you growing out a pixie cut when you cannot get it trimmed is really quite something. So I've got a sort of mullety kind of. <laughs> can, you, can you answer a question honestly for me? I can. Have you, has your partner cut your hair or have you cut your partner's hair? No, it's funny. No. So, it, um, well, mostly no. He, his hair is, is almost, is almost buzz his hair is yeah. his quite short so he just does it himself with a shaver oh wow good for him this is easy um i did have him so my so i can't i don't think you've ever seen me my hair is actually naturally curly i usually wear it so short that it looks pretty straight yeah every but, time i've seen you it's been pretty short yeah so but but it's long enough that it's actually curling now and so i did have him sort of lop off some of the sort of flips flippy part at the back of my neck because I was like well it's currently anyway and nobody's gonna be able to tell if it's uneven yeah. but but that's the only we've that's as far as we've gone haven't yeah. and like I will admit I did at one point get on YouTube to be like how hard can it be like trim it <laughs> like, what am I no 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 you need a flowbie a Floby? Do they still make those? Remember the Floby? I think they brought it back. I don't think it ever really went away. I think all that that stuff, that sort of infomercial stuff that we that was on TV when I was a kid. You're a little yeah. younger than I am, so. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm 51 now. Oh, you look good, 51. <laughs> I don't know. You you haven't seen um, me since the pandemic, so. I'm 48, and we're not that far. Okay, off. we're not too far apart. No. Yeah, I feel like you're my kid's sister. Oh, stop. But you have a much better career than I've had, so... Well... You're winning. It's not a contest, but... And I also, I don't think that that's true. I think you have you have a, a rich and wonderful career doing really interesting stuff. Plus, you are sort of living the dream that I always thought I wanted to live for a long time, which is you're, you know, writing, you know, beautiful pieces of writing, and you're you're creatively you know, generating really like, wonderful things. No, but there's, like, there's no yeah. money in any of that stuff. Uh, you have a sponsor now. Uh, you have a coffee sponsor now. Oh my God. I, I may have to cut this out. <laughs> the, 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 the sponsor is just a guy I know who makes coffee, who's been my coffee guy since I lived in Vancouver. He's in Toronto and I'm just doing him a favor. Oh my God. The coffee guy is not just a guy. I've tried coffee suppliers, coffee roasters from all over the world, and I think Matthew at Coast to Coast is really the best, not just in Canada, but in all of North America. And even though I've been a reliable customer for a long time, I continue to try other coffees from time to time, and honestly, nothing is better than Coast to Coast. So I make, I have a Patreon, but I feel, I feel like a jerk for having a patreon because i feel like because i'm like when people make their little arty things and like oh i'm you know i'm painting you know renaissance paintings on the head of a pin give me money you know it's (laughs) like 
then it's just like then like you can't ask for money for that but that's that's basically what i'm doing for the podcast Now you need I see this now this is something that I have learned quite a lot about because of my certainly from my time at Twitch and just like yep. working with this sort of entirely different like generation of people in this industry is there are really like the whole notion of um of feeling uncomfortable sort of asking for for financial support when we create things yep. is is entirely gone from the sort of next generation. They are 100% happy to ask for and pay for content that's being created that they like. Like, mm -hmm. like they're just, it's not, there's no, there's no bad feeling on either side at okay. all. The total understanding that this person is creating something that I really like and I want to pay them for it. I think that's millennials. I think I it's millennials and Gen Z too. Yeah. Which one's I'm Gen like, Z? Gen Z is the one after the millennials. It's after millennials. Yeah. Okay. Boy, yeah. I can't even keep up. Neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> I really so, can't. So tell me, um, so uh, like it's got to be challenging. We don't have to go into like any detailed stuff. Like it's got to be challenging to be in a house that's crowded. What every other week? I don't know how often the kids come back. Yeah, at the, we're, we have fifty percent custody of oh. all of the children, and so they're here. Okay. They're here so one week, week on, one week off. That's right. But things with you and your partner, um, are you guys doing okay? Like everything's are, like. I mean, we're. It's got to be tough. You're both around each other all day, every day. It has been really challenging. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and I'm. It's. I'm trying to like. <laughs> I've been trying to be more in touch with the notion of not treating the bad feeling like it's a bad thing. Like one of the things that my that my therapist talks about um, that has really resonated with me, it's hard to do, but I'm trying to do it, is this notion of using curiosity to, um, to approach those, you know, like stressful and anxious and negative feelings. And like my, I mean, the, the cross that I bear is anxiety that is like occasionally just off the charts, like really. It's like crippling pro anxiety. Problematic to the crippling. And, but, but by crippling, I mean, it's getting in the way of my life. Like it, right. it, it, it inspires me to make choices that are not in my best interest. But has it, have you always had that kind of anxiety or is that new? No, I've always had that. Okay. I've always had that for sure. Yeah. I think I've, I think I've had it since I was a kid, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Tell me about this yeah. curiosity. Well, you know, it's this notion that like, okay, if, a, if a, a moment is happening and you are feeling anxious and you are able to sort of stop and recognize that you are, that that's how you're feeling, mm -hmm. that rather than either doing what you can to like avoid the feeling or doing something to quote unquote, release the feeling. Like, what if you just stop and take a step back and get really curious about the feeling? Mm -hmm. right? And that, that curiosity, because often, at least for me, my, the, the result of my anxiety is that I begin to actually live either in the past or in the future. Mm -hmm. and the voice in my head begins to tell me things that in fact are not actually happening, right? The mm -hmm. voice in my head begins to say, you know, I'm, I'm an awful parent. I'm a terrible partner and he's going to leave. And why would I like, Oh my, no. you know, there's ha the house is a disaster and the children are not well taken care of. And mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Um, when in fact, none of those things are happening. Yep. <laughs> and, and this idea that approaching the moment with curiosity is actually a really good way to bring yourself back to the present. So give me an example of the uh, time where you used this curiosity. And I like this approach. I think, I think it's great because what it does is it sort of forces you to sort of step away mm -hmm. from what's happening and sort of look at it objectively, almost as an observer, mm -hmm. sort of distancing yourself from the, 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 the emotion that you might be feeling mm -hmm. at the same time. Can you like, give me an example of, of a time where, where you were able to do this? Does anything come to mind? 
Yeah, I have actually been doing it sort of many times a day lately, right? Like we, you know, so we did just move. Um, moving is stressful under every possible. It's the worst. It is the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. This was, and I have, I have, I have led. Um, what's the word? Peripatetic? Is that when you travel around a lot? Isn't that the word? Oh, I don't know. I love it though. Let me look it up. Um, I have moved a lot. Let me put it that way. I've lived many places. That's been the case. I've lived many places as a kid, as an adult. I've moved a lot. Um, Why do you move so much as a kid? Um, my dad's job moved us around a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did he do? I'm not completely sure. <laughs> Was he in the mafia? <laughs> no. He wasn't like in the Tony mafia. Tony Soprano. Yeah, peripatetic. I... I've I've never known I've I've heard this word, but Was I that right? it's that okay. yeah, you're so smart. Um that English degree. Woohoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> in handy. Um yeah, so but my point is moving is is hardly a foreign, you know, experience for me. Yes. And it was, I would say, by far the most challenging move I have ever participated in. Because this one was. This one, yes. Okay. For well, every possible reason, because, you know, the pandemic, the challenges of trying to do this during a pandemic, which yep. are everything from like, we couldn't, I didn't, you know, like, under other circumstances, I would have hired people to actually pack for us because mm -hmm. we needed to do it quickly. And, but I was like, we can't have a bunch of people, even in masks, like in the house for two days, that's not safe. Yep. So, so you had to do the packing firsthand. We did all the packing. The move happened very quickly. And, and we were trying, we had to do it in, you know, the week that the children were at their other parents' houses. So there was a time crunch. Mm -hmm. um, and then this act, this house is actually the sort of amalgamation of essentially three different households mm -hmm. because we, prior to this, we had been, and prior to the, to the pandemic, we had been, dividing our time between San Francisco and the South Bay because of mm -hmm. custody stuff and kids and work. And, yeah. and so we had, a, and, and we'd been living in an apartment in San Francisco because our house was being renovated. So there was all the stuff from the house was in a storage unit. There's mm -hmm. all the stuff that was in the San Francisco apartment. And then there's all the stuff that was in the house we were renting down here. So all of those things had to come to this place. Right. Right. Um, which has been, you know, like the logistics of it have been challenging. Yep. I would say the more challenging part has been, um, so my partner uh, is was previously married and in his divorce, many of his, belong the belongings that he had sort of amassed over the years remained in his former household. Mm -hmm. um, and so he has, you know, some personal effects, but but very little in the way of like furniture and kitchen stuff. And mm -hmm. like all of that stuff was, was mine. Mm -hmm. And so here we are in this new place at this very stressful time going crazy, trying to unpack everything. And there's actually, we knew there was going to be too much because you can't put three houses into one house and fit everything. And, and, and here we are, as we're like unpacking it all, I could see and feel that he was having a really hard time. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, where my brain went was, this is a disaster, and he is miserable, and yep. oh my god, I just we've just moved everything here, and now he's going to end our relationship, and what am I going to do, and yep. how am I going to, with the kids, and you know, I just was in a spiral. And so, and so I, you know, we, with the help of our therapist, got curious, right? And you know, he was able to express what was actually going on, which was, yeah, it's incredibly, it doesn't, it didn't feel good to, he was just like, everything in here is yours. Here we are yeah. in this house together. It's all your stuff. It doesn't feel yeah. like my house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even that, right. I was like, ouch. Like I took that, I took that as an, as an indictment. Yes. For me. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, and I think that's like, I feel that too. I, when, when something is a little bit wrong, I just start burning everything down. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's, if, if it, it's broken, so it's just like, it's, 
I can't see it objectively enough to just say, there's just part of this is broken. It's not the whole thing, but mm-hmm. once a little part of it is broken, I'm just like, well, it's all broken. We're yeah. fucked. You know, totally. no, like, how do I get out of this? And totally. how do I, I can't fix any of this. And so are you guys in, in therapy together? We are. We and we have. Are you been, okay talking about that? Are you Are you sure? I'll talk about it a little. I don't want. I want to be respectful of. You yeah. Know, no, you don't have to tell me there. anything. No, <laughs> you definitely don't have to tell me anything about your therapy experience. I only want to talk about you. But I. I will say you. Know, I'll talk about my personal therapy experience, yeah. which is a very positive one. I am a. I am a big believer in therapy as um, self care. Yeah. And me too. In fact, I have tried have tried a number of different therapy modalities. And in fact, I'm about to embark on a new one. So, um, and I don't know, I know that you also are a believer in therapy. I am. Have you, do you mind if I ask you questions about your therapy? Yeah, I love talking about it. <laughs> have you always done sort of traditional talk therapy or have you done any other forms? It's so of funny the way you turn the eye of Sauron around on me. <laughs> I'm <just> curious. You witch. <laughs> Uh, I just found out about this. I have some PTSD, right? Um, yeah. And so I, I, uh, I love podcasts. I love, uh, I still love This American Life. I know it's cliche and old, but it's still it's great. great. Yeah. It's still great. And th- there was, a, there was a, an episode uh, maybe three months ago, no longer than that, probably six months ago now called 10 Sessions, which was about uh, something called uh, cognitive processing therapy, CPT. And it's it's a kind of therapy that's, sort of very short and mm-hmm. intense and I just I love like if like if you want some if you have a free 45 minutes like listen to 10 sessions I loved it okay. um, so I found a, a cognitive processing therapist here in Toronto and went for a while but it's not like sliding scale or any of the budget stuff that you need yeah. when you have a patreon and and work as a consultant like sporadically and so I could only pay for a certain amount of sessions and I'm not even sure I got to 10 but it was kind of like part part of the, one of the core concepts of it was really picking things from your life and then unpacking them completely like if you you know if you're in a situation and something is wrong the way in which i would extrapolate so much doom and gloom from that mm-hmm. like and it was about you know filling in worksheets and stuff that i was really resistant to doing it actually it was really effective i i was fascinated wow. by that um, that's great yeah so i'm always you know if i can afford it i'll i'll, I'll go to whatever therapy i can do i'm i've been very resistant to the um, the Zoom sort of therapy experience that we have during pandemic times, yeah. I don't I don't want to do it, and I honestly I haven't done it. I haven't done it. I haven't done it since I haven't seen my regular therapist since since I don't know March maybe. It's been a while. It's different, but I will say like I've had I it's my experience with it has been mostly positive. Yeah, it's not. It's certainly not the same. Um, that said, I'm actually next week going to be starting something new and different that is going to going to require me to go physically to an office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do a series of neurofeedback sessions. Oh, um, yeah. After and protect like in in specific because my anxiety has been so challenging lately. Yeah. And it has, there's some, there's some good research that says it's, it can be really effective at treating anxiety. And then I also have a friend who had a really positive experience. So that's going to be, I'm really curious about this. Can you tell me about the neurofeedback? Like how, how does it work? So, well, I'll know more after next week, but my understanding is it's basically, it's, um, uh, it's very it's a, it's like a very specific way of like really like honing in on like neuro neuroplasticity and like you it, there's no there's no um there's no pulses going to you you are you have electrodes that you're wearing mm-hmm. and you're basically as i understand it you're kind of playing a video game using your brain waves mm-hmm. and so it's 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 sort of about retraining your ability your ability to your attention in any given moment mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'll have to let you know, I, I'm going for my first 
my first session next Tuesday. That's so, so exciting. Yeah. I, I remember doing a, a brief, briefly, like I'm not sure if this was neurofeedback. You have to remember I also had a stroke a couple of years ago, so my brain's yeah. a little mushy. Um, I, there was this kind of therapy that this woman in Vancouver talked me into trying where she would hook me up to electrodes and then make me watch this. It looked like I was on like a, it was like a, some sort of Beatles film, you know, like <laughs> psychedelic kind of these shapes moving on. The I was street. thinking Hard Day's Night, but okay, that's different. <laughs> yeah, and so I was just like, what is going, what is going on? And, and part of me, boy, I really, I, I don't know if this is the same thing. I don't know if that was neurofeedback, but I don't necessarily have the highest opinion of it. Because I, well, I I'm going to let you know. I mean, I'll, I'm, yeah. I'm, if, I think probably I would not have been so willing to try it had I, had it not come recommended by a friend who I really trust. You had an endorsement, who, yeah. Yeah, who I had a really positive experience. So. I've been really curious about um, like like low doses of uh, like psychotropics, mm -hmm. LSD, things like that. Mm -hmm. Like especially yep. with, um, with uh, PTSD stuff. Like that's, there was a 60 minutes segment that uh, my therapist and I ended up talking about that where, um, I can't remember what the the guy who's uh, who's one of the sixty minute hosts. He's the guy on CNN, Anderson Cooper. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. good looking gay guy. Like he yeah. he was the reporter in that that that's that segment, and I was so intrigued by it because it was people who just had long suffering things that they suddenly new pathways, new neural pathways were opened in their brains, and they yeah. somehow were healed by this. But it just it's a little bit of a you know, kind of, I feel like people are just trying different things to, to give them some relief, but yeah, I, I, I would try anything at this point. Have you tried EMDR? No, I don't know what that is. It's actually very specific to treating PTSD. Okay. I'm yeah. You should, you should look into that actually. It's eye, eye movement desensitization. Okay. okay. I the RCA have you tried it? I have not, but it's actually something that I have been thinking about as well. Do you have PTSD? Well, I don't know. I certainly have, if you were to ask my therapist, she would say that I, I have a, you know, trauma survival from a very chaotic and challenging childhood. Yep. Um, I, I think I, and like, maybe this is funny. Here we are sort of coming full circle. Maybe this is me being unwilling to sort of accept my own experience but like I think of my I think of the things that people have endured as children mm -hmm. and I feel like well what right do I you know like what right do I have like really like what what is my trauma and what does that look like compared to some more sort of that's um, exactly what I think you know that's totally that's I think it's probably common like I feel I feel exactly what you're talking about right now Whereas I feel like your experience, like I, your experience is so like your, your ability to process and overcome your experience makes me think who the hell am I to even remotely suggest that there is trauma in my childhood. But the truth is trauma is trauma, right? Like trauma is trauma. Everybody you know, has some. Yeah. Um, and and ultimately what sort of matters is like what it's how it how it lands how it lands inside that child you know what yeah. i mean like yeah, yeah. if yeah. there's a piece of you that gets broken by something then there's just, there's a piece of you that gets broken right like so yeah. i want to ask you a question that's very uh that's maybe insulting because it's so uh pro hippie Go have on. you ever been to an ayahuasca ceremony? First of all, it's not insulting, and it's I, I'm I haven't, and I it's it's so funny that you bring that up. One of my very dearest friends, the same friend, in fact, who connected me with the neuro I want to meet this friend. She's the best. <laughs> she sounds fun. She is the best. Yes. Yeah. Just one of the, she's one of the coolest people, and yeah. she boy talk about talk about somebody who is. Um, uh, just inspirational and in how she has handled her own, her own mental health. Like this is a friend who I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say her name. She no, actually yeah, is a former yeah. game industry person as okay. well, but she, Would I know her? She, 
I don't know if you would or not, actually. No, I don't know um, everybody. I always think I do, but I actually don't. <laughs> she hasn't been in the industry for a while, yeah. so you might not. Neither have I. <laughs> yes, I'm not in the industry for a while. She decided about three years ago mm-hmm. that she was going to treat taking care of her mental health and her anxiety and her challenges. She was going to treat it, as she put it, like I have cancer. Mm-hmm. She was going to spend whatever time and money needed to really do what needed to be done to take care of herself and to move past the things that were holding her back. And damn, if she has not done it. (laughs) And that a big part of that included, she is the person who was like, I'm going to explore all different sorts of therapeutic modalities. And one of which is ayahuasca. And in fact, just this past week, she called me because she participated in a ceremony this week and had another very positive experience. So, so she's done it more than once. She has. She yeah, has. I, I think I would like to try it. I do too. Maybe we could try it together. Mm, I, I mean, I think you have to, I don't know how that works. Like, how do you find, <laughs> how do you find a shaman, an ayahuasca shaman? No, I have. I'm, I'm I a little have, kind of for that. <laughs> I, have, I have a guy who also used to be in, in the games business um, and now does other things. But he, he, he and I have been talking about, he goes fairly, he goes a couple times a year. Wow. And he's told me some of the bre- the breakthroughs that he's had from the, his experiences. And I just said, next time you go, let me know. And I will try yeah. to go. And, and then, you know, COVID came and now nobody can go anywhere. And so it's been on the back burner, but I'm for sure, I'm curious about it. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I really loved what you what your friend said about, you know, I'm going to treat this like it's cancer and mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything in my power to address it. And I, I've never thought about that as a philosophy before, but it seems so spot on and profound to me. She has, in every possible facet, like completely changed her life, really. She's changed how she, she's changed her career because she realized that she did not love what she was doing. She completely changed her career. She changed her, she ended, and she ended a relationship that she had been in for a very long time with somebody who had um, children from their first marriage. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, like not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. She's moved to a completely different part of the world. Like she has really, really changed her life. But we were talking earlier this week and she was like, you know, she said, I, I, re- I, I know we, we were talking earlier this week because I was having a, a rough week. Yeah. And she said, you know, I just want to remind you that like, you know, that I know exactly where you're at right now, but I want you to hear me when I tell you that right now I'm good. Like doable, you can get there. Yeah. And I was like, I needed to be reminded of that. <laughs> but you can't get there without doing the work. This is what I've come to realize. Is that I, even when you start to feel better, you have to keep doing the work. That is so absolutely true. And I think a lot of people just sort of shrug their shoulders and just say, well, listen, I'm just in pain. And there's, you know, I'm in pain. There's mm-hmm. nothing I can do about it. But to aggressively pursue a solution and some relief, like mm-hmm. I, I think it's, you know, it's very, very, very few people who actually do that. It's you hard. Know? It's, it's so really hard. hard. And our brains, this is where, I mean, look, I, I, love, I love our brains, but this is where sometimes I get upset with them, right? Like they are the amygdala, like, like I needed to just stand the fuck down sometimes, right? Yep. Like, thank you very much for the great job that you have done in keeping me safe in a, in a life that has at various times been actually pretty fraught with danger, with danger, but yep. like knock it off now. <laughs> knock it off now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, you really have to like, I've, I'm learning more and more how you really have to put in a different, I think, amount of time and effort than I maybe have ever previously realized. Like, I think it's easy to, or it has been easy for me anyway, to be like, yep, I'm good. I'm going to therapy every week. Like, yeah, doing the work. But like, that is just one portion yeah. of the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, I feel like for the most part, I'm, I feel good with this. 
Are you okay with this? Yeah. Like I, I have loved everything you've said. I just, I, I always am knocked out by how smart you are, but today you're really super articulate and you're, you're saying so many things like some of these episodes work and some of them don't. And I just like every step of the way with you, I just feel like the thread is in the needle. Like it's working, baby. Um, but, but before I let you go, I just kind of want to start, um, like pretend we just started and I want you yeah, to yeah. just tell me a little bit about, um, your career and talk a little bit about, I mean, the ones that you feel comfortable talking about. Like, I know that, that, um, you also, like you're an artist at heart, like you have a really like intellectual brain, but you also have a very artistic brain too, which I think sometimes is really challenging. Like you're very, you're good at everything, but it's also like you're torn between these two giant, uh, these appetites that you have for both things. Um, it's but funny because I, I, don't, I don't think of myself as being good at everything. I think of myself as being like pretty okay at a lot of things and like, <laughs> like but you know, the, like, I thought for so long that my life was going to be as a content creator. Yep. Like, I really genuinely was like, yeah, I'm going to write the great American novel. Yep. Yep. And I'm and still trying. That's going to, but like, at least you've tried, right? Like, the truth is, I, I never even actually it's, tried because it's mostly I, failure. I finally came to realize, like, there is no joy in this for me. And I was like, <laughs> that was a really hard thing to realize that like, yep. yeah, that, that, that I, I so because I love reading so much, I think yeah. I so desperately wanted to also love writing and like, yeah. I'm not a bad writer, but sure you're good. But the joy, it just, it was like crushing me. Like I was miserable trying to do it. And so I finally was like, okay, you need to, you know, <laughs> I'm so proud of you for doing that. I'm Love so it. proud of you. Yeah, yeah, good for you, honestly. Where'd you go to school? I went to Bryn Mawr, um, which oh, is you're sophisticated. A little teeny women's college just outside Philadelphia. Yeah. What did you what did you study? English? I studied English and sociology. Wow, double yeah. major. Yeah. And so then go ahead. I went to Columbia for grad school. Oh my God. <laughs> Communication and education, not all of which are things I'm not using at all in my everyday life. <laughs> I Columbia my, my is amazing. Degree. Columbia is amazing, though. Um, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your well, opinions the, um, changed. I'm saying that because I went, this was at a time in my life where I think I felt like if I was not filling every single moment trying to achieve something, yeah. then... I was going to like fall into a hole in the earth. And so I was like working 40 plus hours a week and then yeah. going to school at night and on the weekends and like, had I had I to do all over again, I'm, I probably would have made different choices because, because it basically meant that I didn't get, get everything I could have out of either of those things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I sort yeah. of like charged my way through this night and weekend program at Columbia so that I yeah. could get a diploma. But like there was, you know, the joy of being in school, school wasn't really there so right right you i mean you must have been a, a, a baby when you were doing that um yeah i guess i was i was in like my mid-20s yeah yeah what was yeah. like what like around what time was this was were, were, were well, we in new york at the same time we were i would assume yeah i graduated from Bryn Mawr in 94 and moved to new york right away and lived there until 99 is that right no until 2000 Okay. Okay. You left just before nine eleven. I did. Got out before the building started to crumble. Yeah. Um, I used to live up on the Upper West Side on one hundred sixth Street. Oh, I so lived I used... on I lived on Sixth and Bleecker. Oh, you were downtown. Yep. Wow, fancy. Oh yeah, um, I was one of those people who was like, "Is there are there buildings above Fourteenth Street?" <laughs> I, I hated your people. <laughs> Oh my God. So your life was just like sex in the city. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So are you kidding? My first apartment was so small. You could sit on the toilet and brush your teeth. <laughs> as <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I loved it. I loved it. It was mine and I loved it. So, so can, can you, um, like, I, I don't know how you, with your background, I don't know how you wound up in tech and in video games. <laughs> Um, I wound up in tech because when I moved from New York to San Francisco, I was, I was free, a freelance writer at the time. Mm -hmm. 
And then I moved to San Francisco and was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a freelance writer in my house. I have no reason to go out. I'm in a brand new city. I'm not meeting any people. This is terrible. I've got to, mm. I think I should find a job. Yeah. Um, and so I got a job as a copy editor for a hardware magazine from Maximum uh-huh. PC and loved it. What so was much. it called? Maximum PC magazine. Okay. <laughs> Maximum PC. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and just, and like stayed in tech magazines for a while. Like I was the, the um, copy editor and then eventually I became the features editor and then I wow the computer gaming world magazine. So you were on the journalism side for a long time. Yeah, I was, I was an editor in chief of PC gamer for a little while. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And then when did you make the jump over to uh, making products? Um, after I was a, well, let's see. After I was the editor in chief of PC Gamer, I became the publisher of PC Gamer, which is kind of how I moved out of like the editorial you know, content creation side, yep. yeah, to the yep. business side of things. And and like, to much to my surprise, I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this. Yeah. And then from there, um. Oh, you will know this. This will resonate with you as a Canadian. So the the so Bioware, yep. the um, so the doctors, the founders, mm-hmm. I had become friendly with during my time as a journalist. Um, mm-hmm. They're like the loveliest people. Yep, they are. And when I like all Canadians, to, yes, like all Canadians. And when I was trying to figure out kind of what to do with my life, they were two of the people I got in touch with to be like, I don't. What should I do next? And they basically said, Well, why don't you come work for Bioware? Yep. And I was like, I think that's a great idea. I would do that. Um, so I went to work for EA. But then like three months after I started, they retired. <laughs> oh. God, so wait, so you, did, you didn't move to Edmonton, did you? No, I spent a lot of time yeah. in Edmonton. But yeah. no, I was based at the EA Redwood Shores. But I would okay. fly to Edmonton. I flew up there like every three or four weeks for yeah. about a year until... I'll never forget the plane was landing. I mean, it was like February or something and the oh plane was God. landing in Edmonton and the, <laughs> and the pilot was like, welcome to Edmonton where it's like m- minus 17 right now. And I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> How have I made this life choice that I'm willingly flying someplace where my hands are going to fall off of their neck covered by gloves? Literally, go. it's wretched. It's like hoth. It's really <laughs> just awful. It's just snow everywhere for months and months. Like like 10 months of the year, it's just snow up to your neck. Yeah, it was just, that's that's when I started to think, maybe I should do something different. <laughs> so uh, that's so weird to think of you in that office because I've been to that office many times. Like I we used to there. go... Yeah. I was there a lot. I, in fact, at one point, because you know that office is in the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the hotel downstairs. In the hotel. Yeah. And so I was there so much. So there's two hotels right next door to one another. One mm-hmm. of them has the office. And at some point I was like, I'm going to start staying at the hotel next door just to make sure that I go outside at least once a day. So I have to leave that hotel to like walk outside to the, to the office. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I was like wow. spending a whole week where I would just be inside that hotel building I was like this is I, this is bad <laughs> this is some light yeah wow th- I mean I'm, I'm not surprised that the doctors liked you and were impressed by you and invited you to come join, join the team I I wish they would have told you that they were not going to be around for much longer yeah I mean ultimately though because they're such good guys I was like oh, I can't stay upset with you guys like, <laughs> 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 like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I forgive you. I forgive you. Yeah. Have you seen them lately? Are you still in touch? Um, no, more like on social media. Yeah. I haven't. I, I, every once in a blue moon, we'll exchange notes. I should send them. I mean, they're, they're both doing, they're kind of following their bliss, which I feel like yeah. they've earned the right to, which so it makes me happy to see that. Um, but well, EA must yeah. have given them some money. So I, I'm assuming they're living I, off. <laughs> I mean, I Ray is doing like s- social entrepreneurship. Greg was doing his craft beers Greg for a while. Doing craft beers and fishing and <laughs> doesn't sound so bad. I know. Yeah, yeah. So w- what happened after after uh, EA after? Um, did, where did you uh, go? From there? I went to work at Apple 
I went okay. to work on the App Store. And that's when I met you for the first yes, time. You were working is. at Apple, and you were the person who walked around San Francisco at GDC handing out these uh, these cards where you could get $10 coupons. Yeah, off right. of, and you were always on the phone making your Apple calls, buy-bye, sell-sell. <laughs> it was important. A, it was a busy job. It yeah. was a busy, busy job. Um, but it was really interesting, and I got to meet a lot of people, many of whom I'm still in touch with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was fun. And then after Apple, I went to work for, for Nexon, the South Korean yep. game company. That was, a, that was a pretty short gig. I was there for just a little over a year. I, and I had a baby in the middle of my time there. I basically mm-hmm. like worked my butt off for kind of eight months. And then I like peaced out for five months. I had, had my daughter and came back and the kind of, direction of the part of the company that I was working for had had changed pretty yeah. drastically while I was on maternity leave. Yeah. Um, That's one so of the I, things I love. One of the many things I love about you is you always work your ass off. You, I feel like you just don't ever stop. Like you're just going a hundred miles an hour always. I do. I do think I have a pretty high work ethic. As and that's like a, I think that's a family trait. My yeah. my sister is a professional chef. Um, mm-hmm. And similarly, we'll just, she's even, she's even worse than I am. I mean, she will just, she will just work until somebody sort of makes her yeah. stop. Because she's yeah. very passionate about what she does. But I think, yeah, that's just something that was sort of inculcated into us at a, a pretty young age. <laughs> but I remember one of the first things I learned about you um, after Apple, and I think this was something that happened after Apple, was that... I remember you, you had left a job and maybe it was Nexon or maybe another job and maybe you don't want me to include this, but I, I do remember hearing that you were left because you wanted to make something. Um, yeah, well, you I did. Yeah, to make exactly. a game. It's yeah. When I, well, it was more that, um, it was more that I wanted to go back to helping other people make games. Yeah. Okay. Which is partly why I left Apple for Nexon. I think I spent a lot of my time at Apple trying to help people who had already made things, like get them to be successful on yes. um, on the store. Yes. Um, and um, and I and I yeah, I think I at that point I sort of had the itch to go back to being actually a part of making games. Mm-hmm. Um, making games is a really tough business. It's really yeah. hard. And like, in, but that said, in many ways, that's kind of what's driven, like it, it's certainly what drove me to go to Bioware, but it's actually what kind of drove me to go to Twitch mm-hmm. too, right? Like that same idea of like, okay, I'm not really a creator anymore, but mm-hmm. I feel like maybe my path is to like, clear the way for creators in mm-hmm. whatever fashion that makes sense, you know, yeah. wherever I'm working. And so I think, you know, that's, that's kind of been the thread. Like, yeah, I did go to Nexon cause I was like, Oh, okay. We're going to publish, we're going to publish mobile games in this sort of like unique way that wasn't really being done at the time. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of changed. And I was like, okay, so now, now I'll try a Twitch where like, yeah, okay. Now I'm like clearing the way for people to be, to be content creators on, on Twitch, which, mm-hmm. which was really satisfying. And then now that I'm working for cloud nine, I kind of feel the same way, right? Like I'm, I feel like this isn't, this is a way to like a clear the way for, for not just for our kind of esports athletes to focus on being successful at what they do, but, yep. but even more so. And I think more interesting for me is, you know, all of the, people who love cloud nine and love love esports it's there's there's so much they're getting from being part of this community that goes way way beyond fandom yeah um that really is about feeling feeling a part of something part of a community but also understanding that like being a productive part of that community really matters being Yeah. yeah being inclusive and being a leader and being a good communicator and being collaborative, like all of this stuff that actually helps you be successful yeah. as an esports athlete, yeah. turns out is all the same stuff that kind of helps you be successful in life. <laughs> Go figure.
honestly, if I if I had a company or if I had any money or anything that any that was valuable to anybody, I, I would hire you in one second. Like you're, you're the. I think I think it would be incredible. But like the difference between the two of us, and and you know I love you. Like I really do. I and and I know I maybe I don't know. You know we don't have a strong enough friendship for me to say that. So I it might make you. Feel we do. Awkward. I love you too. Oh, that makes me feel so good. That's what I needed to hear today. Um, but I, I, you know, like I, I, uh, I would love for us to maybe work together someday on something. I'm just kind of like putting that out there. I like, think that would be incredible. And, and like maybe a, it's like a guilty pleasure kind of thing, something that would just make you happy or, you know, like I just, I want to make stuff. I want to make stuff with people I care about. Um, and you're definitely on my short, short, short list. Well, let's figure something out. I think that would be, I, I think, I think that would be such a, um, a gift and probably like a, a, a bomb <laughs> for both of us, you know, like the joy of making something. Oh, a bomb. I thought you bomb. said bomb. B -O -M. bomb. bomb. B -O -M. <laughs> okay. Yeah, bomb. Yes, a bomb. <laughs> no, bomb. No, I mean, I, I think the joy of making something for the love of making it, right? Yep. Something that, we, like, I, I don't give myself enough time to do anymore. Yeah, like, I, I, I feel like you, you do your best on, on all fronts. I, you know, I don't ever feel, there's no slacking in Kristen Salvatore's <laughs> life. There really isn't on any front. And, and I, I, I do worry about you sometimes, and I do think that, that sometimes maybe you are, you know, working yourself a little too hard or you're a little too worried about, you know, am I good at this? Am I doing enough here and doing enough there? But I do, I do hope you're taking time for yourself and enjoying yourself. I know you're going to get on another call soon, so I'll, I'll let you go. But thank I, you so much. Like, thank you. It's so lovely. I really, like, really enjoyed this and it just, it's, it makes me so happy to hear your voice and to talk to you and yeah thank you I, yeah me too like this was so fun it was so fucking fun like i didn't i didn't you know like i didn't know i don't know like i know you're busy you're in the middle of your work day so i just thank you so much and thank you for just being awesome and i'm so glad that we're friends me too me too well oh, let's honey. um can we talk again soon yeah we we can we can talk whenever you want i mean you have my zoom room now so just yeah you know, <laughs> just drop on by come to my zoom room Big thanks to my friend, Kristen Salvatore. You can keep up with all of Kristen's latest exploits by following her on Twitter. She is at Kristen SS. If my conversation with Kristen Salvatore put you into a charitable mood, Kristen would like to recommend Feeding America, feedingamerica.org. More than 10 million kids in the U.S. live in food insecure households. Feeding America gets food to local food banks. Go to feedingamerica.org and do your part today. Music tracks in today's episode include Mystical Pixels and Chiptronica from Patrick De Artega and a track from TRG Banks called Christmas Lights. If you like the podcast and you want to ensure that we can continue making these episodes, then support us via our Patreon, patreon.com backslash heavily pixelated. Honestly, even a couple dollars makes a, a big difference for us. Again, patreon.com backslash heavily pixelated. Stephen Nicolick is the technical producer. Sarah Deakins is the producer. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, I'm Scott C. Jones. Remember, be good to yourself. You deserve it.